Welcome to episode eight of Back to the Futures, the official podcast of the Futures Collegiate Baseball League, presented by ChangeUp. I'm Matt Satilli. I am joined by my co-host, Owen Shadrick, and we are joined off the top right here by a very special guest. It is FCBL Commissioner Joe Pellucci, and we have breaking news that we wanted to share with you guys here on the podcast. So Joe, without further ado, take it away. All right. Thanks, Matt. Uh, thanks, Owen. Thanks for having me on the on your podcast. Uh, first and foremost, you guys are doing a great job with this. Um, I know everybody in the league really appreciates it. It's a very professionally done production. Uh, you guys are doing great. Um, so we do have some breaking news. So the league decided on Friday that we are going to move forward with our 2020 season. Um, we're excited. We've, we've, we've put in a lot of hard work to get to this point. Um, you know, mainly the owners and the general managers, but uh, we, we're, we're ready to go with what looks like a 39 game schedule uh, starting on July 2nd. And uh, we're hoping to have, you know, at least one round of playoffs at the end and we should be done no later than August 22nd. So uh, like I said, a lot of hard work went into getting to this point, um, but we're excited to, to finally be able to play some baseball this summer. We are chomping at the bit to be at the ballpark and um, credit to you and to everything that went into this effort. If you can just talk a little bit about how the process was coordinating with each team and working with local health officials just to make sure that everyone's on board and set to launch the season. Yeah, so uh, the, the process began, you know, obviously back in, back in March um, when everything started to get shut down. And, um, you know, once... Uh, the NBA canceled their season, or, or I should say, halted their season, and and um, and same with the NHL. You know, we started to say, you know, looks like we're not going to be able to to do anything in the summer, right? Um, but I think we kind of took the approach right from the get go that, you know, we didn't know what was going to happen, we didn't know what things were going to look like in July and August, and um, so we just decided to to wait instead of canceling or or making some type of announcement. We we just figured we would do whatever we can do to, to prepare ourselves to play. And, you know, if it ever got to the point where we couldn't play then then, then we would, we would cancel, but, you know, we just kind of kept plugging away at it. And, you know, we met once a week with the owners, uh, you know, via zoom and we just, everybody kind of gave a weekly update as to where their organization was. And, you know, then it just kind of, you know, turned into, each team was working with their local government or local board of health to formulate a plan to see what it would look like if we do play. Um, and, and that's where the hard work came in from the owners. I mean, they had to really, really stay at it, right? Really stay on, on this mission here because, you know, if, if we didn't get permission to play uh, from all of our communities, then, you know, we, we wouldn't be having this conversation. So, um, you know, kudos to the ownership group and, and, and to, like I said before, the general managers for, for really working hard and, and getting us to this point. Obviously, a big part of this will be the decision to let fans in. Have you guys decided whether we'll, there will be fans allowed in the stadium? Yeah, there's definitely going to be fans for sure um, in, in, in every ballpark. Um, the capacity for that is, is going to be limited. Um, I, like, I'll just give you an example for, um, for New Britain and Connecticut. Right now, they can open at 25% capacity. Uh, and then on, uh, I believe it's July 15th, they're able to go to 50% capacity. 
So that's a 6,000 seat stadium. So, I mean, they can fit, you know, they'll be able to fit 3,000 people in there and still be able to socially distance them, um, you know, with, with no problem. So um, we have not been told that we can't have fans anywhere. Um, so, like I said, it's, it's going to be limited, but fans will, will be able to go out to our ballparks. Will there also, will there be concessions or will that not happen? Yeah, so th- there will be concessions. Um, it's probably going to look a little bit different in some ballparks than it has in the past, you know, but that is, it, 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 that's going to depend on, again, from community to community and, and, and what the local Board of Health decides is the way to go with that. Um, so nothing specific in terms of, um, you know, th- there's no, you know, blanket this is how concessions are going to be in all, in all six ballparks. It's, it's going to vary from, from town to town. And we had a lot of players on here expressing their interest in having fans. I know a lot of fans have been interested to go see some live ball. So that's tremendous news to hear. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm excited. Like I, I can't imagine what it would be like for these guys to play in a, in a huge stadium with nobody there watching, you know, I mean, obviously it's, they're probably used to it from their high school days or whatever, but um you know, especially these big-time players that, that play Division One, they're not used to empty ballparks. So um, I'm glad we're going to be able to, to get our fans in there. And uh, just to confirm, this will be a six-team season, correct? It is, yeah. So unfortunately, Pittsfield's not going to be playing in, in 2020. Um, and it, it wasn't from a lack of effort on their part. Um, so the, the Gold Clan group actually um, formulated this – you know, really in-depth uh, COVID-19 readiness plan, um, really detailing out how, um, you know, because they own several other uh, minor league teams. So it was going to be for the, their entire organization, um, but specifically to Wakona Park, um, I think there was just way too many bottlenecks in, in there, you know, to be able to bring fans in safely, get them in and out safely, and still be able to social distance. Um, and plus, you know, Pittsfield was hit really hard with this, um, probably more so than, than any other um, city or town in the, in the state. Um, and it just, it, it wasn't going to work. I mean, the, the, the number of, um, you know, guidelines that they were going to have to follow to be able to get a team on the field, it just, like I said, it wasn't going to work. Um, you know, we're looking forward to having them back for 2021, and I know they are too, so... It just, um, it was, well, I know it wasn't a, a, an easy decision for, for Jeff to make, but I think, you know, I agree with them. And I think everybody else in our league agrees it was the right choice for them. Sure. And obviously player safety and health taking priority over anything else. So completely agree on that front. Um, now you mentioned the season's running from July 2nd through August 19th. And obviously no one's quite sure what's going to happen with going back to college, but you know, that does seem to creep a little bit close to the start of school. Do you have any concerns about, you know, what that playoff situation is going to look like, or if there's going to be numbers dwindling a little bit at the end of the season, you mentioned the potential of just one round of playoffs, but you know, obviously with the limited time we have getting 39 games in, in that time frame makes sense, but you know, any thoughts about that last week or two of the season? Yeah. I mean, we, we did, we talked a lot about that. Um, and, and to be honest, I think, it was probably split 50 50 in terms of uh, teams wanting to end a week earlier. Um, But, you know, I I think we run into this every year, right? Like towards, towards the, the end of the the summer season, you know, kids are going back to school early. 
or they're even leaving early because they want to go and spend a week at home before they have to go back to school. So it happens every year, and I think teams are prepared for it. Um, you know, they plan their roster accordingly for that. So, um, yeah, it's going to be unfortunate that we might lose some kids early that will be going back to school. But like I said, it's nothing that we're, we're not used to. Um, so in order to get a really, you know, a full season, and I think it was necessary for us to go to the, the 19th with the end of the regular season. Before we get back to our interview with Joe Pellucci, we wanted to share a message from one of our sponsors, ChangeUp. We're excited to announce a brand new partnership this season with ChangeUp, a cutting-edge, player-centric pitch tracking solution promoting health and safety, allowing coaches to capture and analyze a proprietary set of performance analytics, and helping pitchers maximize their potentials. Coming to baseball programs around the world this year, ChangeUp eliminates the administrative overhead associated with adhering to pitch count regulations, allowing coaches to focus on baseball. Coaches and parents at all levels, Little League, AAU, high school, and the collegiate level, take notice. Changeup is the clear choice to ensure your pitchers aren't being thrown too much or too often and are getting proper rest. Together, we can make this great game even better by protecting arms and ensuring compliance with pitching guidelines. For more information, visit Changeup's website, www.changeup.io. That's www.change-up.io. Changeup. Every pitch counts. Now back to our interview with Joe Pellucci. One thing that was not on the schedule this year is an all-star game. Can you walk us through why there will not be an all-star game and what will be replacing the all-star game this year? Yeah. So, you know, the all-star game was supposed to be in New Britain this year. Um, I forget the exact date that it was going to be, but um, it was like July 12th. So, you know, it's really difficult to have an all-star game two weeks into the season. And more importantly, you know, when you, when you have a limited number of fans in the ballpark for an all-star game, it's a really big production to put on and, uh, you know, to not be able to get all of the fans there that we would want. It just wouldn't, wouldn't be worth it. Um, but a, a ton of prospects in, in the league this year, especially with us getting players that were probably going to be down the Cape or, or in the new England league. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to have three scout days um, and, you know, just to back it up, um, in our All-Star, every year with the All-Star game, uh, we do have a, a scout day prior to the All-Star game. That was Chris, Chris Hall was the one that started that several years ago, and it's been really successful. I know the scouts love it. So what we decided to do this year was we left August 3rd, 4th, and 5th open on the schedule. Um, and what we're going to do is we're going to have um, uh, a scout day in New Britain for the New Britain players and the Westfield players. Um, on August 4th, it's going to be in Brockton with the Brockton players and the Worcester players. And on the 5th, it's going to be in Nashua with Nashua and the North Shore players. So scouts are going to have those three days to kind of travel around and, and get to really see all of our teams um, in, in, in all of the prospects that they unfortunately weren't able to follow this spring. And I know this is kind of a loaded question, but what was the biggest obstacle to making this happen? I know, especially with the scheduling and like you mentioned with the guidelines where Massachusetts needs to start on July 6th, you know, just how many revisions and how much tweaking was necessary to make sure everything was in order. And, you know, was there any point where you lost hope? I know that everything went swimmingly and, you know, wanted to make sure that everything was in order before making this announcement. But, you know, what have the last three months looked like for you? Yeah. Um, you know, in terms of obstacles, I mean, there was every day there was obstacles for, for all of the teams, right? So, like, we, we just had to keep working through that. And, um, 
it was a roller coaster, especially the last couple of weeks. I mean, I, I thought that we were going to be able to make an announcement about seven to 10 days ago. And then some things started to unfold uh, that were unfavorable um, in, in, a, in a couple of our communities. But again, to, to the credit of the owners, they just kept plugging away at it and, you know, we're able to convince, you know, the powers that be that, that we have a safe plan uh, going forward and, and that we're going to be able to, to execute our plan. Um, so, you know, I don't know if I was ever, you know, so pessimistic that we weren't going to be able to play. I think I always had hope that we were going to be able to do it. Um, but uh, there were definitely some days where um, it wasn't looking good. But we pulled through and, and, and here we are. And, you know, and that's not to say that, you know, things are going to go smooth, right? Like there's, there's, this is certainly a controversial decision, I think, in the eyes of some people, um, whereas, you know, pretty much every other sport has canceled and, and this, you know, the coronavirus is still um, a, a real threat out there, you know, and that doesn't escape us by, by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but as I said, I think we have a really good plan in place. And, um, you know, if we didn't, feel that we could pull this off, we, we, we would. Going off that, with the major leagues at a standstill and the cancellations of both the Cape League and the NECBL, what does it mean to you that we are going to get underway and play baseball in two weeks? And, of course, giving these kids the opportunity to play baseball, to play live, real baseball for the first time in months. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I think it's great. I'm, I'm excited that we're, we're able to, to get these kids back on the field, first and foremost. Um, I'm excited for our ownership that – they want to play. It's, I mean, this is, um, you know, baseball is really important in those communities. And, you know, in, in, in some cases, you know, the, the people in, in, I know for, for example, like the people in Worcester that love the Bravehearts, you know, so to be able to get them back on the field for that community is, is, is really important, you know, but that's not to say that I disagreed with the Cape and the NECBL for canceling. I mean, the, I mean, it was, that must've been a really difficult decision for them to make. And, um, you know, I'm sure they didn't make it lightly. So, um, you know, I can only speak for us and I know we're excited to, to get out on the field and, um, you know, as a baseball fan and not having, you know, major league baseball to, to watch, um, you know, I think this is, this'll, this'll be exciting for a lot of people and, and for me in particular. And uh, is there anything in particular you're looking out for in terms of players and coaches? I see some of the footage from New Britain with them having the X's marked out in the dugouts or especially just like contact with the balls, the bats, just any kind of shared equipment. Uh, anything you're looking out in terms of that perspective logistically? So that's, that's what's going to vary from ballpark to ballpark. Um, I think personally, I think it's really hard to social distance the players. And I don't think there's going to be a lot of that going on. Um, I think once they're together, they're, they're together. Um, you know, I, I do think that there'll be some disinfecting going on in the dugout from time to time, um, or, you know, as it says in the guidelines that they should be doing it. Um, but, you know, like I said, it's, that's going to be based on the guidelines that the individual towns are have to abide by. So, um, you know, it, there's nothing that the league is coming down and saying, you need to do this, this, and this. It's all, we're getting our um, marching orders from the, the, the local governments. So this offseason, a lot of teams loaded up their rosters, and it looks like it's going to be a very competitive year for the Futures League. What are you expecting from teams on the field this season? Uh, just that. I, I'm expecting it to be very competitive, you know, across the board. And 
I mean, I, I do get to speak to the GMs and, and the coaches and, and the, the ones that are putting these teams together and the names that the names and the schools that they're associated with are just really impressive, um, you know, across the board. So um, it, it, I think it's going to be, I, I wouldn't want to be a coach. I wouldn't want to be a coach in our league and have to, to, to manage the playing time, you know, cause that's uh, that's, that's a really difficult thing when you get 35 really good baseball players. Uh, it's, it, it's hard to, to divvy up the playing time. Um, and, but you know, the pitching, the pitching will be difficult as well. I mean, you guys know that we have, you know, the, the pitch count rules. I don't think we're going to be um, getting very close to violating any of those rules this year because there's just so many arms. Um, I'm expecting probably more of, you know, the, those one, two, maybe three inning stints than, than the complete games that we, we were used to seeing last year. So now moving on to just your role with the league, uh, generally speaking, how did you first get involved and what went into that decision to become commissioner last year in 2019? Well, I mean, I was hired to be the commissioner, so it wasn't my decision to be the commissioner. Uh, but um, I was the commissioner of the Cranberry Baseball League for 10 years. So, you know, we did a lot of really good things in that league. Um, and I just kind of fell into it, to be honest with you, that that role and it was kind of at the time in the Cranberry League, it was uh, a job that nobody wanted. And, you know, I think I was like one of the few guys that actually knew how to turn a computer on back then. Um, and so that's how I got to, I got that role. Uh, but then when, you know, when Chris stepped down um, in uh, the end of, what was it, 2018, I guess, um, you know, I just, I, I saw the, the opportunity and, and I applied for the job and I met with, you know, with John Creedon and, and the entire executive committee and, and, and I was hired. So it's been a great, I can't even compare the two leagues just because, um, you know, from a, from a business standpoint, there's just so much to, to understand with the Futures League, whereas the Cranberry League was just all about, it was just all about baseball. Um, so it's, it's been a, a pretty big learning curve for me, but um, I think we've been doing a pretty good job for the last year or so. Not only have you been involved with the Cranberry League, but you were also involved with Weymouth High School Baseball. Can you talk to us about that experience and all and general baseball experiences that you've had in the past? Yeah, coaching Weymouth High, I love it. Um, so this this would have been my sixth season as the head coach there. Um, it's been a, it's been a struggle trying to turn that program around. We've had a couple of good years the last few years. Um, we've got some really good players coming through there. Um, we were fortunate enough in, I guess it was 2018 was our first year with a um, brand new field. We have a brand new turf field. It's probably one of the nicest fields on the South shore. Um, so we've got great resources there uh, and I love it. I mean, that's where I, that's where I, I've grown up in Weymouth. I live in Weymouth. Um, so to have that opportunity to coach that team is, is, is easily been the best experience I've had in baseball. As Futures League Commissioner, you mentioned the learning curve and just kind of trying to get your feet wet last summer. But what's been the most rewarding part of this whole experience so far? Um, uh, easily the, the relationships that you build, for, for sure. You know, I mean, that's, I mean, that's what baseball has meant to me for years. It's, it's the people that you meet along the way. Um, and, you know, without having this opportunity with the Futures League, I mean, there's, you know, 20 or 30 great baseball people that I otherwise wouldn't have known you know, that I now have relationships with. So um, that, that's it for sure. That's like I said, this whole baseball thing that I've been doing for a long time. It's all, all about the relationships. And any message to the fans as we move into the season, a couple weeks? 
yeah, yeah, well, um, for sure. I mean, we're going to be excited to see them. Um, I hope they enjoy the product that we're going to put out on the field like they have in the past. And, uh, you know, if uh, as long as they're feeling comfortable to come to the ballpark, we're going to be able to put on a good show for them and, and keep them safe and keep them happy. Well, Joe, this has been awesome so far. Uh, we got one more segment for the fans. I know you're familiar with it. It's called Quick Hits. It's presented by Zephyr, the official on-field hat of the Futures League. Zephyr providing high quality and innovative designs since 1993. We've got a couple more questions for you for our audience to get to know you. We've talked shop, we've talked baseball, but we want to we wanna get inside the mind of Joe Pellucci a little bit. So All right. who's your favorite big league team? Uh, for sure, the Red Sox. Yep. So I think that puts the Red Sox in, in the lead now, right, over the yep. Yankees? Four three. We've had a, a White Sox. That was Brad Smith, and then a Marlins. That was Dylan Jones. Other than that, it's been Sox, Yankees across the board. Nice, nice. And then uh, favorite big league player could be current or historical. Uh, my favorite player growing up was Tony Pena. Not a lot of people know Tony Pena, but he's he's probably one of the better defensive catchers of all time. He couldn't hit a lick, but he was outstanding defensively. And when he was with the Red Sox, I think like late '80s, early '90s, he was he was my favorite player. Are you a Veritech guy at all then? Well, yeah, of course. I mean, this, what's not to like about him? But, but Payne for me, surely, was, was my favorite player. Okay. And uh, if you were stepping on the diamond tomorrow, mm-hmm. what would be your walk-up song? <laughs> so I, I, I'm not going to tell you what mine would be because I'm too old. <laughs> and to be perfectly honest with you, going back to my playing days, I, I can't really imagine or I can't remember music ever playing. <laughs> it just it didn't happen a lot. Uh, but it's a good question though, because I ask that same question to my high school kids every year and it's cause it's a good icebreaker. And, and for me, it's a good way to get to know the kids and find out what they like and everything. So I don't have an answer for you, but it's a good question. Okay. And, uh, have you been given a baseball nickname over the years, whether as player or as coach? Uh, I mean, everybody just used to call me Palooch. That's pretty much it. Nice and simple. Any superstitions that you had as a, in your baseball career? Uh, no, because I would have become a slave to them, I think. So, like, you know, I, there was probably a few little things that I did, but I usually tried to stay away from it because then you start thinking about, I got to do this, I got to do that. So, yeah, I never uh, never got too big into the superstitions. Understandable. And whether as a commissioner or a player, which, what is or was your favorite thing to eat on game day? Uh, <laughs> so, on game, like, especially towards the end of my career, the answer to that is nothing. Because I, I always used to say, I'm like, I got to stay light. I got to stay light because I was getting a little too heavy towards the end. Uh, so I guess that would be the answer. But, yeah, nothing nothing in particular. But a nice cold beer after the game would be good, too. <laughs> Great, yeah. And then bubblegum or sunflower seeds, what's your preference? That's the worst question, Owen. I wish you guys would stop asking that. <laughs> but I'll say neither because, uh, like I said before, my high school team plays on a turf field. And neither one of those things is allowed on the field, so neither. Fair enough. We'll take that. <laughs> and then a favorite all-time baseball memory. My my second year coaching in the Cranberry League, we won the New England Regional, and the year before we um, were we were below 500, um, and it was with like basically the same players. So that was a great summer being able to to see that season through with those guys, and, and we we beat some really really good teams in that regional. So. Um, that, that's always been my favorite, favorite summer, favorite memory. 
Well, Joe Pellucci, thank you so much for joining us today and taking some time out of your Sunday night. Uh, we've been saying to a lot of players, we hope to see you on the diamond, but we will see you at the ballpark this summer. And I'm so stoked to be able to say that. Absolutely, guys. Thank you very much. And keep up the good work with this thing. You, you, you guys started something special, so keep it going. Thank you so much. And everyone's two favorite words in baseball. Could you deliver them for us and for the fans real quick? Play ball. Let's go. <laughs> this has been episode eight of Back to the Futures, the official podcast of the Futures Collegiate Baseball League. We have new episodes coming out every Monday and Thursday leading up to the start of the season, which begins once again on July 2nd. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast. We are streaming on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see everyone soon.